Let's visit the 90s all over again. Put on those hammer pants. This is Dope Nostalgia. friends and welcome to episode 175 of Dope Nostalgia Podcast. And I'm your host Naomi as always. My special guest today has been on the show before. We did the Van Brand Van 3000 episode together. His name is Justin Lamb and he also is a podcast host and musician. You can check out his show called Friend Request Podcast. Just give him a Google and check out his website justinlammusic.com. He's here to talk to me today about a band that I didn't really know that much about, but I know he was so passionate about them. And I was like, teach me, tell me all about Less Than Jake. And he does a great job doing that. So here's a little bit of background information on the band Less Than Jake. Wikipedia moment. Please bear in mind that Wikipedia is not to be taken as actual 100% fact. Any donkey could edit it at any time. If I'm reading you the artist's bio, that stuff is real truth. We're going to the wiki for this one. Less Than Jake is an American ska punk band from Gainesville, Florida, formed in 1992. The band consists of Chris Damakis, Roger Lima, Matt Yonker, Buddy Schwab, and Peter J.R. Wasilowski. The group released its debut album, Pezcore, in 1995, following a series of independent 7-inch single releases. The band's subsequent two studio albums, Losing Streak and Hello Rockview, were released on major label Capitol Records, leading to increased exposure. Borders and Boundaries was released in 2000 on Fat Rec Chords. The band's fifth studio album, Anthem, in 2003, was the group's most commercially successful to date, Featuring the singles She's Gonna Break Soon and this one, The Science of Selling Yourself Short. In 2008, the band founded its own label, Sleep It Off Records, and released its seventh full-length album, GNVFLA. The band has recently stated its preference for EP releases and independently issued Greetings from Less Than Jake in 2011 and its counterpart, Seasons Greetings from Less Than Jake. In 2012, the band combined the two to create the compilation album Greetings and Salutations. The band's eighth studio album, See the Light, was released on November 12, 2013. The band entered the studio in 2016 to record their latest EP titled Sound the Alarm, which was released in 2017 through Pure Noise Records. Now their ninth studio album, Silver Linings, was released on December 11, 2020. It's time to bring on the actual expert in Less Than Jake, the big fan. It's Justin Lamb from Friend Request Podcast. Welcome, Justin, back to the show. Did you see the picture I emailed you? Yes, I just saw it like 20 minutes ago and I'm like, perfect. I love this the, brainstorm web. The web of Less, it's, it's insane. And like, there was a lot of it that I knew but then I learned a few new things. <laughs> That's awesome. See, you're really going to be in the lead on this one too, because I just learned about this band from you asking me if let's do this episode. Oh. I didn't know. And so yesterday I listened to a bunch of their songs in the car driving around. And I was like, okay, this reminds me of Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. I can see that. Um, 
That's the only just that's the only one I could think of as a comparison. But I was like, okay, this helps me kind of define what ska really is, because I always oh, think of ska as like reggae flavored punk. So, oh, okay, correct me. You you educate <laughs> uh, me. Are you are we diving in? Sure. Has so yeah. Well, then let's start. Let's start with the basics. This will be like teaching a class. Okay. <laughs> so. <laughs> Yeah, ska. There, so ska. There's three waves of ska that are acknowledged. Um, it's actually I don't remember what it's called now. It might just be called "Pick It Up" because that's yeah. like a common phrase you hear in ska uh, bands. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Um, and oh. I think there's a documentary called "Pick It Up" uh, that's about ska and like its rise and subsequent fall. Some would say in the '90s. Um, but the there's three waves. The first is like more the base reggae stuff. The second um, came out of Europe and was more like anti-establishment um, classic, also called two-tone ska with like the specials um, and a lot of bands that you see like the the checkered and the the suit, like where you get like rude boys from where they got the, the nice like three-piece suits and stuff like that and then third wave ska is what we're going to talk about today um, okay which came around in the early mid 90s um, with bands such as less than jake real big fish mighty mighty boss tones um bruce lee band mu 330 five iron frenzy like all the the it's like ska with this added little like punk kick um okay. some bands lean harder into the punk era than than others but it definitely um it still maintains the roots of, of having the the horns and the upstroke guitars, but then you add in some distortion and you end uh, the pick up the tempo a little bit more. And that's, that's where you get your third wave ska. And some of those bands, I mean, less than Jake is a perfect example have just continued onward. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, and then there's plenty that <laughs> you will never hear about ever again. <laughs> and really? So, yeah. I mean, is it is it appropriate to mention the huge name, the huge one that kind of became a huge charter, and that was no doubt. So, yeah, I, that's I mean that's worth mentioning, especially the early years. Um, I don't know the name of the account, and anyone listening that's seen this will know what I'm talking about. But there's a guy on TikTok who will the video will always start with like this guy in this time and he'll start telling this history and somewhere about the like three quarter part, like almost towards the end, you'll start to piece together like who he's talking about. And um, there was one about no doubt or maybe just Gwen Stefani, but I'm pretty sure it was about no doubt. And I didn't know it was at first. And I thought I knew a good amount about them. Like I knew their early ska days and everything, but the intertwinings of the bands that they worked with and that were each members were different parts of, throughout that like late 80s early 90s period before they were like no doubt no doubt um mm. it's crazy yeah and they, they definitely i think they helped bring that over here if you're if you i would argue that if you're talking about commercial success of like true third wave ska bands i would give that to either mighty mighty boss tones or real big fish okay uh, Cause that's true the impression that's... that I get. Um, and then real big fish with sellout, which is 
in itself funny and like a play on the entire idea but uh, so they got a lot of radio play yeah. uh you know my my boss tones was in clueless and then continued onward and but man less than jake mm-hmm. so i'm so excited i'm gonna open <laughs> I don't know if you want to post this somewhere. I sent you the picture. I have this spider web brainstorm of less than Jake. Yes. And the people that are all intertwined and connected. I'm uh, going to take that photo and put it in our social media when this episode comes out. So people can see the amazing web of connection that you established there. It's great. Yeah, I, I love it. And I decided like, I'm going to work on the facts that I have. I'm going to throw in my typical anecdotal stories. Um, and, you know, if there's some gaps that you want to fill in from Wikipedia or something, feel free. <laughs> do it. <laughs> um, so I will tell you, I got introduced to Less Than Jake um, the same time I got introduced to all the other punk and ska bands. I was like 13 or 14. I was about to go into high school. I went to my first Vans Warp tour. It was 1997. Um, the last year, it was actually allowed at the specific venue because people toured the crap out of the lawn and everything but um <laughs> those punk rock kids yeah but that's where i learned about a bunch of bands and um back then in the punk and ska scene you you would get these compilation cds that would have 25 bands on them because all these all these punk songs all these ska songs are like two minutes long so you could fit a bunch of them on a cd and that's how you would find out about these new punk bands and then you would see them open for i think every punk show i ever went to was always like three or four bands at least mm-hmm. they would just pile them on and, and play these sets and um that's how i learned about less than jake is is through warp tour and the cds that get passed around and the first album that i had was um losing streak which was their first like commercial album um with Capitol records mm-hmm. and Prior to that, they released an album called Pezcore, which that's a whole other rabbit hole we're going to go down with Pez. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's all connected. Uh, and Pezcore was like, if you were the cool punk kid, you already had Pezcore when when Losing Street came out. Because mm. that, was, that was their previous album. I was the late bloomer on a lot of things. I got Hang Ups by Goldfinger, which was their second album, and everyone knew their first one. And, I came to everything a little late. That's fine. I got nothing wrong with that. Yeah. There's just well, more to discover. In That's the 14-year-old punk rock scene, there was a lot wrong with it. <laughs> I think the word poser was thrown around a lot. Um, oh, that's the but, hipster thing though, right? Like, oh, I knew them before they were famous. Exactly. <laughs> um, which I suppose it's a really ironic sentiment with punk bands because like most of them were never famous. So I don't know. Mm. I don't know what that means, but I think the sentiment still holds true with a lot of, a lot of those people. Um, yeah. And then I, I started listening to less than Jake. Uh, I will say on that same note, call out my own pretentiousness when they got hello rock view out in 98 and started to get radio play. I, to this day, I still don't own that album. <laughs> um, I, no. I know a lot of songs off it, but there was something about hearing it on my local alternative station that kind of turned me off to it, uh, which saying that out loud is really a bummer. But <laughs> uh, I will say the follow-up to that, which is Borders and Boundaries, um, arguably the last of the 90s decade, because that came out actually, I think, in 2000. Um, that album I listened to constantly, 
like when Apple Music makes little favorites playlists and stuff, songs from that album are constantly on it because I I always have that playing pretty regularly in my playlist. I love that album. I don't know what it is, if it came at just such a perfect transitional time and the songs are really introspective and the lyrics. Um, it's just a really, really good album. Wow. Yeah. And then they continued onward. They, I, I, this podcast inspired me to look them up because I've seen them many times in the last few years and they are going to be in Detroit in July. So I bought tickets and I will be there again. Oh, good. Uh, yeah. And they, they just, they're still putting out music and new albums and some stuff's better than others, but that's what happens with all music. Mm -hmm. And that's my, yeah, that's my, that's my experience with Less Than Jake. I've seen them countless times. I can and like over the span of the last 25 years, um, I've seen them so many times and I, when they come around, I still see them because they just put on such an epic show. Mm -hmm. How much of the band would you say is still original members? So I believe it's three mm -hmm. total. Um, definitely Chris DeMacus, Chris DeMakes. I don't know how to say his last name. Sorry, Chris. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I've spoken to him at shows before. I still don't know how to say his last name. And he has a podcast too. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, he talks to other people in other bands. But he and... Um, the drummer who's no longer in the band, uh, Vinny Fior Fiorello, they mm -hmm. founded the band and then quickly brought on the bass player who also does lead vocals, Roger Lima. And so Chris and Roger are still in it. And then their trombone player, who of all the people I didn't write down because he's still in it and he's been with them forever. Mm -hmm. um, those are the three original people that are still in it. And Vinny, the drummer, left in, when I think it was 2018. Uh, Not too long stayed, ago. No, yeah, he stayed with them for a very long time. Um, but, and and I'm going to branch off on him when we get there, because he, he, I'm telling you, it's all connected. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> okay. crazy. Uh, yeah, and, and this is. For those unfamiliar with ska, like this is a band that has your typical band. So you got your guitar, your bass, your drums. Um, and then there's a horn section, which mm -hmm. really adds. I don't I don't know if have you ever played a horn instrument. A flute. Okay. So no. <laughs> I played trombone <laughs> for like a hot minute and when I was like 12. But yeah, the added the addition of like a horn part is this whole other like symphonic element into into the music like if you ever break down music theory wise like the different parts uh, i mean your typical guitar and bass and a lot of ska guitar is actually pretty complicated as far as the chords that they use but mm. then you add in the horn parts which are like kind of like somewhere between bass lines and lead guitar parts played on uh, like symphony of horns and depending on the band you have like two three four different horn players um less than jake depending on the year i think at the most they had three but mm. typically it's two it's trombone and a saxophone um mm. and just those parts alone those are the parts for me personally like those horn parts those are the melodies that'll get stuck in my head do they um, in recordings, do does it the horn parts sound like they do live, or do they in recordings double it up and do harmony or anything with 
try to make it sound more full? I think that would depend on the album. Okay. Um, and I think that's really apparent. Like if you listen to Pezcor, so their original saxophonist, um, Jessica Mills, who for the time, like I probably still know, who am I kidding? It was mm-hmm. awesome to see a chick in a punk band. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you go to the shows and it was like all guys all the time. Five Iron Frenzy had a woman in their band at one point, And obviously Safe, uh, Safe Ferris came out with the female front. And other than that, like you didn't see a lot of women in that scene. And unfortunately, Jessica Mills left in like, I think, 98. Um, yeah. Not too long after their first couple albums. And she went and did this band Subhumans that she played with. Um, Citizen Fish is another band she played with. Uh, there's a third one I couldn't find any information on but she so they're connected to them through her uh they're uh i forget what this started with oh horn sections yes (laughs) on their more produced albums i think starting with losing streak and going forward yeah i think there's definitely some layering and um effects but i would argue though their live shows sound wise i mean you're you're getting that same thing i think they do really well duplicating that sound in a live show and mm. horns just like if you mic them right horns are loud as shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true very so, true it's a, it is an instrument that you know if your neighbor is practicing because it is very loud that's a tough one to take up sometimes like if you lived in an apartment or something mm-hmm. yeah that'd be a tough instrument to take up I don't know how that works. At least with I see the piano behind you. I have one over here. You can throw some yeah. headphones in that at least, so you don't. <laughs> or if you're a drummer, you can use an electronic kit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's ways around most instruments, but not much you can do with a horn. True. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but the original those three original members: Roger Lima, Vinny Fiorello, and Chris. Let's say Chris Demakes, because okay. That's the pun on his name he uses in the podcast title. So I'm th- I'm assuming that's how you say it. Yeah, um, I would stick with that. We'll call it Demakes. Demakes. Yeah. Those three <laughs> also appeared. They started helping out their friend Mike Park on uh, his record label, Asian Man Records, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And all of them played in a band called the Bruce Lee Band, <laughs> which has phenomenal songs. And... Ooh made so much sense when I finally found that out um, back in like the late nineties. Cause you'd hear these songs by them and you'd be like, God, this sounds so much like less than Jake, just like with a different lead singer. <laughs> like the, the tonality was there, but that's what it yeah. was. It really was. It was less than Jake with a different lead singer. And I believe Jessica Mills played a little with them when they were two or two, um, the original saxophonist. And I saw both Bruce Lee band and less than Jake at the 1998 Ska Against Racism Tour, <laughs> arranged cool. by Mike Park, the founder of Asian Man Records, and Bruce Lee Band, and Skank and Pickle. Um, oh, the, it's all connected. And oh, that yes. tour, I, I got to tell you, if there is a defining, you know, like Warp Tour, I think for that time period was really more about skateboards and punk rock. Um, if there was like a musical tour that defined third wave ska i would say it was the ska against racism tour because the lineup on that tour um mu330 mustard plug less than jake 
Bruce Lee Band, Five Iron Frenzy. The sounds that came out of those bands are what that period of ska music was. And in addition to that personal anecdotal level, that tour, and when it came to my town, like the KKK protested it. And so there was like standoffs outside the venue. And I was like the 16 year old, like, screw you. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it really started a level of activism for me that I don't know if I would be as passionate about if I hadn't had experiences like that, where I actually got to see these like hateful people in person mm -hmm. uh, standing up for something like that I, I believe in. So that was a, that was an important tour for me, but I think it was important for that entire genre of music and the lineup shows that and they just had so much fun the fun mm -hmm. the funness of the shows can we talk about that yes <laughs> let's um, do that so i mentioned pez core their first album as mm -hmm. the candy pez candy for those that don't know i don't know what it is i i don't know the history here i tried looking into it but less than jake and pez have a long history. Um, hmm. I think at first they would throw Pez out, like the little Pez dispensers at their shows early on. <laughs> and one of the members, um, I think it's Roger, collects Pez dispensers or yeah. dispensers. And it just became this kind of branding for them and shows they would throw Pez dispensers out at shows. Their album's called Pez Core. Hmm. Um, and there's a bunch of little intricacies. And then these people that are big, less than Jake fans, there was two of them in my high school. They would in turn become like biz pe big Pez people. So mm -hmm. I know a number of people that like, if less than Jake's their favorite band, just so happens, they also had a Pez collection. Uh, and it became intertwined with the band. And in addition to throwing Pez dispensers out, they, their shows, they wanted it to be like a big party and they still do their best to do this you can still see a lot of the stuff I'm about to mention at current shows, which is crazy to think about because they've been doing this for 30 years now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 30, I think they formed 30 years ago this year. That's crazy. <laughs> That's <laughs> Everything nuts. is like that now. Oh my God. Um, I think about that almost every day doing this show. Like, Oh yeah, man. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. You picked a, you picked a decade to really make you feel old. If you start thinking about that part. It's true. Um, but they, they have mascots and it was customary to see anywhere from like three to five different, like dressed up, like outside of Hollywood Boulevard mascots, uh, uh, you know, in a Mickey Mouse costume or a dinosaur costume or whatever that looks like dancing around on stage, jumping into the crowd and doing stage dives and crowd surfing. And then I don't know when I'm sometime in the last 15 years maybe 20. Oh no, you're right. I am old. Um, <laughs> their mascot became like their little guy. I don't know. I, their, their mascot, he's like a little kind of Bart Simpson looking guy almost. Cause he's a little like big head with spiky hair and that Is guy he animated, animated or like an actual like mascot costume. It's a mascot costume. Okay. He comes out on stage and he dances or skanks, if you will, which is what the, the official ska dance is called. The skank? Uh, yeah. Ooh, okay. And then they, uh, 
they get like you know big toilet paper guns and shoot toilet paper into the audience and <laughs> they really involve the fans and they've done that all along and they still do it today and uh, I read an interview where Chris talked about like how that's kind of the fuel that keeps them going is like they still have this fan base that's still super passionate about like meeting them and and their music and uh, and they know that and they love that and they just want to like give back and so they mm -hmm. are always throwing out toys in the audience or dancing on stage or shooting toilet paper or whatever it looks like um and they're just making it into a big fun party and their live show is spectacular to this day and that's saying a lot because i feel like bands typically tone it down eventually well as long as you can continue to make it a party you should I think it's wonderful. Amen. Yeah. yeah. You don't want to get all crusty and boring. <laughs> crusty uh. and boring parties. Um <laughs> Nostalgia listeners, I love you and I thank you so much for being a part of this show and its success over the last two years. We have what's called Patreon for those who want to support the show financially. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a subscriber and get bonus content, early podcast release, all kinds of cool behind the scenes stuff, and more. There's different tiers of membership starting at only $1 a month. And we even have some special merch for you guys who are in it for the long run. So, please, join our Patreon. It's at www.patreon.com forward slash dope nostalgia. Ever watch a movie so bad that it made you laugh? We have, and that's what we enjoy at End of the Reel. We're just two brothers doing a podcast about bad movies. Sometimes the movie will leave you in tears from laughter, other times pain. From classics like The Room, Troll 2, and B-Movie, bad movies are here to stay. Check us out at endofthereal.com. When things get tough, remember, Shake and Bake makes it easy to treat your family to plump, juicy pork chops without frying. Why fry? Shake and Bake. If you've developed a fear of frying, remember, Shake and Bake makes it easy to make crisp, juicy chicken for your whole family. Without frying. Why fry? Shake and bake. Introduce some fun facts. Wonderful. So the drummer, I said I would come back to this. 
the drummer Vinny Fiorello, their former drummer now, I guess, he started his own record label. Um, still in the 90s, 96, 98, one of those two. But mm-hmm. started his own record label, Fueled by Ramen is what the record label is called. That's a great name. Yeah. Uh, started with a friend of his. While he was there, they made Jimmy World's um, first album, which oh. launched Jimmy World, and then made more recently, and by recently, I mean like 2006, <laughs> I think it might have been 2005, they made Panic at the Disco's first album. No way. Uh, and then it was after Panic at the Disco that Vince left the record label. He didn't like the direction they were going with like music and, and production-wise, so he left there. But after he left... They continued successfully. Um, Paramore, Paramore's first album was on that same label, uh, mm-hmm. as well as Twenty One Pilots, and then Warner Brothers, who was their like partner early on. But them all, them and another few other indie labels, all under one umbrella. But okay, that record label that he started launched so many of those bands that are those are huge. huge. Um. And all that from the drummer of Less Than Jake, which is just insane to me. Uh, yeah. The amount of times that I've seen them live and never once did I look at the drummer and go, oh, hey, is that the guy that launched Jimmy World's career? Like, that's crazy. Not likely. Like, I know. And and the thing is, too, it's like, it's quite a strike of lightning to launch one huge successful band. But it's like you just mentioned like four or five of them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, those, that's just the bigger ones there's a laundry yeah. list of, of bands especially in the the punk and ska scene that that they put out there they were right there it's funny because I don't, I don't know i guess in that world i imagine there's more, more a sense of community than competition because mm. um, i think like borders and boundaries the album they put out in 2000 was put out on fat records um they bought out the contract from capital so they could put that out on fat records instead which is no effects is uh, fat mike's record label mm. and I would have thought that Vinny's record label, Fueled by Ramen, would be direct competition with Fat Records at that time because they're both, you know, producing these like smaller bands, a lot of punk bands. But I mean, I, I guess it's just more about community and and mm-hmm. what kind of sound you want and who you want to work with. Like I, that's that's an area that I wish I knew more about, like the studios and the recording and how different labels help you sound different ways but i uh that's that's starting to go over my head we start talking about that but it's it's really crazy how it's all intertwined and this is one of the few bands that i i really was my mind was blown at how much like how many other bands you can draw to these band members mm-hmm. uh either through the record label or through them playing with other bands like they're uh um one of their trombonists who I don't believe is still with them, Pete Anna, he was in slapstick before that, which is like a very foundational uh, ska band before that. And so to have one of your members be in one of those bands, I'm like, it's, a, it's no wonder that they're so good because they yeah. pulled talent from so many places. And uh, when I think of this band, I think of like the punk side of that would be no effects because the members of no effects like you could draw that same kind of spider web with rancid and me first in the gimme gimmies and lagwagon bad religion and like all these punk bands that laid mm-hmm. the foundation for 
what like then turned into kind of pop punk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's just really impressive. Not only that they were able to accomplish so much stuff individually and collectively, but that they're still doing it. <laughs> like they're literally right now, as we're speaking on a European tour. <laughs> Good. It's crazy. But that's exciting. It's wild. And <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's rare for bands to keep going as long as they have and have that longevity and still keep playing to their to their fan base. But I think it's special. I think it's very special. And uh, if you can, I mean, three original members is pretty good. Yeah, and I, I would say, God, I, I almost want to say four because of Vinny, but because that was only 2018. Yeah. I mean, kept, he was around for 25 years in the band. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, if I had to speculate, I'd say, I think his daughter was probably like eight or nine when he left the band, and that might be a reason to leave the band. Um, Maybe, yeah. They, they tour a lot. Um, that's the thing when, like, when I think about how often I see them come around, I gotta wonder, like, what is that life? Because I think it's just, this is what we do, and What's like the family life, you, like. Yeah, I don't know how you maintain family and stuff like that. But I know they're like hometown heroes, man. Gainesville, Rock City, down in yeah. Florida. <laughs> so where yeah, go ahead. If you could pick a favorite track from the three albums that we talked about there, um, just from each each one. I know that's a tough thing. <laughs> but let's say with Pezcor, let's say Hello Rockview and Borders and Boundaries, because Losing Streak doesn't count. Why doesn't losing streak count? Because you didn't really care for it. No, Hello Rockview is the one I didn't care about. Sorry, Um, I got them the other way around. My bad. And you know, it's funny, like I know all the, I mean, I obviously know all the singles and stuff from there. Like all my best friends are metalheads and um, boring life in a boring town. But Mm. from from the other ones, I, Pazcore, I think is easy. Well, (laughs) it's a tough question. I'm going to say my very own flag. It is a great track that's uh, not super horn heavy now that I mm-hmm. think about it, but very punk rock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the title kind of gives it away, but it's it's uh, the chorus is, you know, wish I had my own, wish I had my own, my very own, my very own flag, like just kind of wish I had my own flag to fly i don't fit in here 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 i don't Mm. agree with this this and this and uh that's very like anti-establishment punk rock foundation and the guitar in that like the distortion sound on that guitar just hits just right and they whoever mixed that as shitty a quality as that is i forget if i can swear on here (laughs) yeah you can (laughs) as shitty quality as that is that guitar is mixed perfectly for that song and i i whenever that comes on i i definitely love that song but that album has so many great songs
it should be noted that between that losing streak and then the compilation album losers kings and things we don't understand that came out the same year as pescore there's at least two songs that are on all three of those albums <laughs> yeah um johnny quest thinks we're sellouts and jen doesn't like me anymore oh no way albums um but let's see losing streak what is the name of of uh let me tell you the track number can we talk about losing streak for a second because losing streak did something i've never seen before i've never seen since with the digital age of music we will never see it again Mm -hmm. yes do you know about losing streaks hidden track no i now have the wiki in front of me though so i'd rather you tell me (laughs) so losing streak had the the album starts out with this audio clip that says, this is the old dude, Howard J. Reynolds, and you're listening to Less Than Jake. And then it goes right into the song. Uh, automatic. Great album. But there's a hidden track that has Howard J. Reynolds, who is just speaking, talking about... Uh, it's, it's kind of a gross story, the older I get. But, like, having sex with this girl, and then the the, the woman's husband comes home... And he tries to hide and then tries to get out of the house before the husband can see him. But the husband ends up like taking a crap with the bathroom door open. So he can't (laughs) sneak by the bathroom door and he just has to make a run for it. And that's the story that leads up to uh, this is the old dude, Howard J. Like the intro to the album. And there's a thing inside the liner notes that said, if you find the hidden track, like, write to us here self-addressed stamped envelope sign of the times oh, and, man. and you uh like a bone i forget what you got you probably got like a pez dispenser and a sticker or something but you got <laughs> something um and the hidden track was before track one so when you played the album if on a cd player you had to hit rewind immediately and it would go into negative count on the numbers and it would, you could rewind it, I think, up to like two and a half minutes. And the track was before track one. I don't know. I've burned a lot of CDs in my day. Mm-hmm. I've never figured out how they did that to where the CD player recognizes, like, this is track one, this is where we start, but you can rewind. <laughs> I have never heard of anyone doing that before. Yeah, never before, never again, never will. Like, it'll never happen now because CDs just aren't really a thing um it says not all of the cds had this hidden track either oh i feel so fancy now <laughs> mm-hmm. so if you've got it oh i got that's it. awesome <laughs> but it's and i'll tell you anybody out there that is thinking about finding that cd in their old cd book and and trying it out please do it's it's like it's worth hearing it's a funny story and mm-hmm. the way the guy tells it who I don't know the story with Howard J. Reynolds. I assume he's just like this old guy that they met at a liquor store and started hanging out with because that's the vibe he gives off. But yeah, the story he tells and the way he tells it is really funny. And it's such a, but God, the thought and ingenuity and in putting that before track one, it still blows my mind. And I still, to this day, I am baffled by how they pulled that off. And I guess I don't know as much about CD players as I thought I did, because I, I don't know how that would work. See, now I'm wondering if you were to actually like copy that disc, burn it yourself, if it, that track would even copy. 
because of that weirdness. That. Yeah. And it was, a, it was a minute 45. It wasn't, it wasn't short. Yeah, no, it's a whole story. Um, it's wild. I can tell you, like, I've definitely ripped that CD as MP3 files to multiple computers over the last 20 years. And it's definitely never copied it in that way. Wild. So I think unless you have that CD, you're never going to hear that track. Maybe I'll, <laughs> maybe I'll try to, like, get a digital copy from my CD and then I'll send it to you. You can put it in the episode. Sure. Or it's probably on YouTube. Oh, yeah. God. That's where I get a lot of stuff. It'd be cool if it wasn't. I'd, I'd, I'd actually. I know. It kind of ruins the mystery, doesn't it? Yeah. Like, I remember when it became popular enough to where everyone knew where it was, like how to find it. Mm -hmm. But it's, I still don't know anyone that can tell me how to do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but going back to your original question, Losing Streak, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's track four. But it oh. starts, something's out there, and it takes me away. It might be just called Something's Out There. It's sugar in your gas tank. Oh, what's number five? Shindo. Might be Shindo. Yeah, see, this is the problem with a lot it of could bands. Be one of those songs that doesn't have the actual title in the lyrics. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, this, yes. <laughs> this is very, very typical of a lot of bands where it's just like, mm -hmm. this song's called Blue Ray Flowers. And you're like, what? what? But it never <laughs> says that. And it has nothing yep. to do with any of those words. Uh, yeah, now. Uh oh. <sighs> What's a line in that song? It's, it starts like that. Something's out there and it takes me a wave to a world too small, too small to stay. Something's out there. Um, and it takes me away. Yeah, I mean, I can literally tell you, I was just listening to this album. I can pull it up right now. Hold on. My Google powers are working. It's Shindo. It is Shindo. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I was like, was it, oh, does it, because it, it goes, my memory, this is like so many albums, right? Um, that we listened to at this time is my memory of it as the album. It's not like, you know, which is nice because that's the that's way we real. used to do things. We used to listen yeah. to it as an entire unit. Yeah. And, and, you know, like it wasn't a single based world back then. So Bastard. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you got to ruin this for me. Um, mm -hmm. And then finally borders and boundaries. Oh, this is, an album. So the first song that was introduced to me was Look What Happened. My mm -hmm. same friend, if you go back and listen to the Brand Van 3000 episode, my same friend that introduced me to Brand Van got this album before I did and introduced me to this album with that one song. Um, and that is, tra that's track four. Mm -hmm. And Look What Happened. Um, I was like, this does not sound like their like typical stuff, but I love it. I was getting mm -hmm. big into like songwriting myself. And so like I, I, this whole album, to, in my opinion, was on another level. Um, lyrically, musically, production wise, I think they hit the nail on the head. And I know commercially, like with singles and stuff, I don't think it did as good as like Hello Rock View before it. Or even uh, the next album, I think, had a lot more like singles and radio play and like music videos with Rory Gilmore in them and shit, but, um, but borders and boundaries, I don't think had that. So I want to say that song, but oh, I'm going to have to say, is this thing on instead, which is a track 10 on that CD. 
Mm -hmm. that is that is that's another one that just there's something both both singers have a very unique sound to them krista makes and um roger lima Mm -hmm. and when i'm singing along i can sing the chris parts i cannot sing the roger parts uh and anybody that listens and i'm sure knowing your format they've already heard a few songs you can pick those out because he he's saying like it's up in the nose it's higher Um, the high always the higher harmony yeah and and there i mean there's songs where like roger is just the singer and there's songs where chris is just the singer but typically it's like chris will do the verse and then both of them will do the chorus and they those two voices complement each other in a way that i don't I can't think of many other bands that have that same perfection of, of vocal harmony, especially in the punk and ska world. But, I, like yeah. I said, I listened to a few of the tracks off of spot, my Spotify account. And it was like, one of the things that attracted me to the songs was their harmonies. Yeah. Cause I'm a big harmony fan. Like yeah. that always gets me. So yeah, I see what you're talking about. Yeah. That's their, vocal stylings are fantastic and specifically chris on those two songs on borders and boundaries look what happened and is this thing on has some portions that are just him and just him and the um, guitar and it's it's great (laughs) it sounds really good um again i think because i don't know that's the album they pulled from capital and went with fat records but it is Mm -hmm. In my opinion like the best produced album of of all of their records so. has there been anything new released in their albums in the last 10 years oh yeah lots um, oh, let's see okay i see lots of ep releases and see the light yeah they got into uh that was in the same interview i read i think they were talking about how they got into like releasing eps like that that was more of their speed and i'll tell you what i'll take that over the like single culture we're getting into mm-hmm. I'm getting very frustrated with musicians being like, here's one song, two months later, here's one song, two months later, here's one song, five months later, here's an album. Those three songs you already know, they're on the album. And you're like, well, oh, I know it's such a cheap way out of making come on. music. <laughs> well, the only positive I think in that kind of culture is that it's nice to constantly have something new. And I think that maybe there's more focus and appreciation on the one song. And so in, for instance, like sometimes on an album, a song that they band might really love might get completely ignored yeah. because of all the other songs. So at least there's that. But other than that, I totally am all about the full album experience. Yeah. Yeah. I just get a, I like to, if it's something I like, I like to really almost play it out, like mm-hmm. listen to it constantly. And when you get in plus the full album, like you're talking about, and that it's another thing with borders and boundaries. That's so perfect is each track goes into the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing. We talked about that with brand van. Like there's certain bands that when they mix the albums, they do it where like that fade out of guitar from track three, is the intro to the guitar in track four and it's perfect yeah you don't get that when it's like a collection of singles that have been released over the last year that have just been put into an album because we have like four more songs now Um, (laughs) so that's that's one thing that i think we we're missing as a whole when it comes to albums versus 
whatever this modern way of releasing music is. I'm glad you called that out because, yeah, that's something actually I never really, until you mentioned it, it's like, oh, yeah, that is irritating. <laughs> yeah. Albums yeah. were, God, I sound like such a fucking old man, <laughs> but albums, yeah, albums were albums, man. Yes. Ugh. Um, hey, so everybody listening to this is probably in some kind of agreement with that. <laughs> I hope so. And I will say on the note of albums and EPs and stuff that they've done, they're constantly doing side projects. Bruce Lee Band was a side project, um, but they they did some stuff that I found super entertaining um, back in the day. And like they maintain, it speaks to the level of like fun that they maintain as a band and that they've always kind of had, like no matter how big they got when their singles were like they they did really well at, at one point especially with hella rock view like they were getting a lot of radio play everyone knew who less than jake was that was like into kind of alternative music and mm-hmm. um, but they always had like a little tongue-in-cheek kind of thing and that shows with a uh on losers kings and things we don't ever say and i think on pezcor they cover some tv themes like laverne and shirley um there there's a cover of jenny 8675309 it's uh, fun fun songs like that and then they released an album i don't know what spurred this i would love to be in the room where this conversation happened but they released an album called greased and it was them covering all of the songs from greece oh no uh no fantastic I... <laughs> <laughs> it's the karaoke host in me that's crying right now yeah because i'm uh, so tired of greece songs oh man well and then <laughs> Just to weave this in with more stuff that I'm obsessed with, um, on the Scream 2 soundtrack, they do a cover of, I think it was the Monkees originally, the, I think I love you, so what am I so afraid of? Um, they do a cover mm-hmm. of that. That's phenomenal. Because they do it, they do them well. Like, as much yeah. as they're hilarious to sing, like, Summer Lovin', they do it really, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh and but it just shows like they're they're just having fun good and that they're like so in sync as musicians because like circling back to the beginning like the horn parts and stuff that's hard to do man and to just be like let's cover these <laughs> let's cover these eight grease songs and yeah. throw it out ep i had that on cd it had a cartoon picture of chris and roger like dancing like they're doing on Greece mm-hmm. with like caricature size heads. And I think one of them was wearing a dress in the picture and one was wearing a leather jacket, like Danny and Sandra D. Um, Clever. Oh, it's, it was, that's a great album. I don't even know if you can get that like on iTunes or anything. <laughs> believe me, I'm looking as we speak, but <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, they, that's, there's so much fun. And I'm looking, I'm looking at my little, uh, I got to say what caught, what caught my attention in 2000, they opened for my favorite band, Bon Jovi. Now I thought, wow, that's interesting. Cause I wouldn't have seen that coming as a pairing. Yeah. I was very confused. I saw that as well. Cause I was, yeah. I was looking at all the bands they toured with. Cause they've literally, I think in the like punk and ska world, they've toured with everybody. I think literally mm-hmm. everybody. when I saw Bon Jovi. I didn't know what to make of that. And I was like, should yeah. I fact check that? Cause that doesn't make any sense to me. This at is all. Wikipedia. It's not exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I believe it, but... 
it like fits with the time of like we have enough radio play to where we're going to open for this big act but in what world mm -hmm. does mm -hmm. someone hear less than jake and go oh this this is the opening <laughs> act for bon jovi <laughs> who made that yeah. call no idea and then i question like what do you do with that as the band because is like I guess you just say yes because it's Bon Jovi. <laughs> and like maybe they're just like, oh, let's just do it and see what happens. But right? so strange, yeah. If it's offered to you, why wouldn't you take it? Unless you were like, oh no, I hate Bon Jovi. <laughs> oh, bon Jovi. <laughs> I am happy to report, as far as I can tell, there is no way to listen to the greased album where they covered all the songs from greece that keeps it special yeah i'm sure you'll find it on youtube <laughs> or you can get it as an import or you could get it as like um maybe at a you know flea market or someplace like that and just be really lucky to find it yeah i wonder if it was an import maybe it's from maybe. the great white north up there by you <laughs> yeah who knows if i see it i'll, I'll get it for you <laughs> I'm sure I still have it in my large binder of CDs. Uh, you can have two. We'll <laughs> see. <laughs> Anyways, to wrap things up, what would you like to conclude to say? Like, what's we want to make sure we cover everything on that awesome web, you know, the uh, brainstorming I, we, web. We hit everything on the web. Okay. Excited to announce. But I will say, oh, you know, except for one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, this minor but just another band that's associated with less than jake is alkaline trio whose lead mm -hmm. singer would go on to be in blink 182 while tom was gone um oh they were signed okay. by HBO records who was run by mike park who was from bruce lee band um but i mean i, I to close i would just say go see them they're mm -hmm. they're finishing a european tour and then they're continuing on playing a, a north american tour as per usual and they still put on an amazing show uh and it's a lot of people our age so just don't worry about it you'll have you'll have fun and you'll fit in and it'll be fine good good and i want you to just uh tell everybody too about where they can hear your podcast brief like what's it about because uh did i ever get a podcast trailer from you did we exchange trailers i can send one to you yeah yeah i'd love to play your trailer on like in a regular rotation because i have a few that I that I always play here and there. Yeah, my podcast is uh, Friend Request. You can find it mm -hmm. anywhere searching Friend Request, and it's in. I do interviews of friends and followers and people on social media that you would otherwise only interact with in the comment feeds. So I can get to know people better, um, birth to now, and kind of go over the different stories that we have as human beings and uh, yeah. Help create a more meaningful conversation with people yeah it's you a fantastic concept you can follow the podcast at friend request pod on all socials good good yeah if you got a trailer i'd love to to exchange it with you absolutely good but i'm happy that you took the time and thank you for really like taking the lead on this one too like I, I learn stuff and I like that too, as much as I like talking about stuff. Yeah. I'm telling you, if you, if you have an hour, hour and a half to spare, uh, mm -hmm. that documentary, pick it up is phenomenal and really like dives into 
what ska was and how it came to be and it's, it's great well thank you uh, so much highly recommend yeah thank you i i'm gonna continue to listen to that when we, when we hang up here. social media yeah we've got it send us an email dope nostalgia podcast at gmail.com twitter nostalgia dope or on insta dope underscore nostalgia this podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.